Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everybody, Foo followers around the world. Welcome to the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast, episode 70 with your host Ben Johnson. That is me. Thank you so much for listening. This is the fifth episode in our sixth season of podcasts. This show has been running since 2016 and over the years we have spoken to many of the leading lights from the world of martial arts action cinema, including many actors, directors, stunt performers, stunt coordinators and fight choreographers. You can listen to all of our episodes right now via our website kungfumovieguide.com You can also find this podcast at all the usual places that you get your podcasts and if you're a fan of this show and you would like to support what we are doing here then we do have an option to donate to the show and our website head over to paypal.me forward slash kung fu movie guide to donate even a small amount will make a big difference so if you are one of our loyal foo followers who has already donated to the kung fu movie guide then thank you so very much for all of your support you can get in touch with me and the show via our social media channels. We are on Twitter at KF Movie Guide. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at Kung Fu Movie Guide. And we have an email address, which is hello at kungfumovieguide.com. Okay, we have Brahim Chab on the show today. It is a fascinating chat, which I am sure you will enjoy. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show. Here we go. Well, if you're really so determined to have a fight, then I'll oblige. Hello, hello, hello there, Foo followers around the world, wherever you are. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, to download, to stream, whatever it is that you do with this show. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Ben Johnson. I'm the host of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. This is episode 70, which is crazy to think we've reached 70 episodes of this show. It feels like a milestone in some ways. Well, it is a milestone, isn't it, I I suppose? Who would have thought um, when I started this podcast five years ago that we'd now reached 70 episodes? That's kind of mad. Anyway, it has been an absolute joy to share these conversations with you all over the years, and I do hope that you have been enjoying listening to them. We have Brahim Chab on the show today. Brahim is also known by his full name, Brahim Achebaki. He is a French martial artist and actor, also a stunt coordinator, fight choreographer and stunt performer. You know Brahim from Boyka, Undisputed or Undisputed 4, starring Scott Adkins. He was the main villain in the globe-trotting Jackie Chan film Vanguard from last year. He was in Man of Tai Chi. He was in Big Brother with Donnie Yen and he's worked a lot with Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's also in Van Damme's quite mysterious and highly anticipated second directorial feature, 
which has not been released and it's changed its title a lot over the years. Over a decade, actually, we've been waiting for this. It was called The Eagle Path and then it was called Full Love for a while. It is now called Frenchie, according to IMDb. When I spoke to Brahim back in March of this year, 2021, he had just rapped on Monkey Man. This is the directorial debut of the great actor Dev Patel. Brahim has a role in the film. He is also the film's fight choreographer. It'll be coming to Netflix probably next year, I would imagine. Brahim's a very talented martial artist. He's very devoted to his craft and his career is certainly going from strength to strength. So it was an absolute joy too talk to him for today's episode there's lots to enjoy and i will throw over to that conversation very soon before i do i was blown away by a lot of your comments following our previous episode which featured my conversation with ron van cleef it was a very powerful episode without a doubt ron was very honest and open with me during that chat and it did seem to resonate with a lot of you guys listening so some of the comments from instagram for instance this one came in from the martial arts mania podcast that's aj and gavin if you're not familiar with their show then do check out that show if you haven't already the message reads fantastic episode my friend probably the best interview i've heard with the black dragon unless you count his original audio commentary for the first dvd release of the black dragon's revenge that was a treasure trove of martial arts history gems thank you so much for those kind words very much appreciated i actually i don't have that dvd i saw black dragon's revenge i saw on amazon i think but um i would very much like to hear that audio commentary so would love to check that out this message was sent to me by lee mitchell over email thank you so much for this email lee i did just check with lee that he was happy for me to read this out so here goes lee's email reads i want to say what an episode your interview with ron van cleef was i can't believe what he went through when he was in the army and living in america I was shocked and appalled what they did to him and said to him because of the colour of his skin. I'm glad you put that out so people can understand what it was like, especially the younger generation now who won't know how bad it was back then. I had a tear in my eye when Ron was talking about that. Very sad. And I'm so glad he made it through and is alive today. Thank you, Lee, for that email. Ron's story is indeed very shocking in places. If you haven't heard it yet, then do check it out. It's the episode before this one, episode 69. And please do feel free to email me if you do have any questions or feedback. I do love to receive messages from you guys. So send any messages over to hello at kungfumovieguide.com. I wanted to also take this opportunity to add a special shout out to my buddy Taimon Singh. Tai's new book is called Born to be Bad, Part 2, Talking to the Greatest Villains in Action Cinema. You may remember when Tai was on the show back in 2018 on episode 30, that's the Bob Wall episode. We discussed his first book, Born to be Bad, Part 1. And you can now finally get your hands on Born to be Bad Part 2. It's available in paperback and hardback, courtesy of Bear Manor Media. Head over to bearmanor-digital.myshopify.com. 
to pick up your copy of Born to be Bad Part 2. In this book, Ty talks to the likes of Robert Patrick from Terminator 2, Tony Todd from Candyman, Stephen Lang from Avatar. There are also conversations with Scott Adkins, Mohamed Kisi from Kickboxer, Tong Po, of course, from Kickboxer, Taimar, who was the baddie in Rapid Fire. He's been in so many amazing movies. And many, many more. It is an essential read for all fans of action movies. Ty is a good friend and supporter of the show. He's a loyal Foo follower. And he's also a huge fan and expert in martial arts and action movies and just movies in general. So get your hands on a copy of Ty's new book, Born to be Bad Part 2. It is out now. Okay, I will now throw over to my conversation with Brahim Chab. Brahim is out there on social media if you'd like to follow Brahim Chab. His handle on Instagram is at BrahimChab84. A little word of caution, there is some swearing, I think, on this episode. I think there is an F-bomb lurking in here somewhere, so apologies. When that lands, if that bothers you, then you have been pre-warned. I will be back at the end of this conversation to sign off properly, but... Until then, here we go. Here is my chat with the awesome martial artist, stunt performer, stunt coordinator, fight choreographer and action star, Brahim Chab. So you are in Thailand currently? At the, at the moment, at the yeah, moment. I just came back. Do you live, do you live in Thailand? Uh, I've been living in Thailand uh, since 2007. So yeah. basically what I do is like I started my career in Thailand uh, in yeah. the movie business. And uh, after that, you know, I started to work uh, overseas a lot. So what I did is I made Thailand my base. And yeah. every time I'm done with a job, I always uh, get flown back to Thailand. So I made Thailand my second home, let's say. Do you still go back to France quite a bit? I honestly go back to France just to visit my family. Family, yeah, of course. Beside yeah. that, no, I don't really, I don't really have plans to go back to France at the moment for sure. anything. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And you find it, it's, it's still good for for work as well, being being located in Thailand. I mean, you're very busy, so it it must be. Uh, it's uh, to me, you know, if uh, I have to uh, look back at my career and the choices I've made, I think I think that moving to Thailand was like the best choice I ever made because yeah. it didn't matter where I was or it didn't matter really. People never paid attention. And most of my work is mostly located around Asia. Yeah. So it didn't really make a difference. But uh, for me, I think I think it was the best choice that I've made, yes. I noticed it said that you're in post-production, you're involved in Monkey Man. And I just wanted to double check, is that what you, is that the project you're working on currently then or is that all wrapped? What's the latest uh, with that one? That's all wrapped, and okay. that was the project I was working on uh, for the last uh, six months. I was working Amazing. on that, yes. Amazing. Yeah. What can you say about this? I know it's Dev's directorial debut, so that's exciting. He's a fellow Brit, and seeing him stepping up into a an action film as well is, is super exciting. So I know you're quite heavily involved in this production can you say to can you say anything about it at this stage at the moment honestly i i cannot say anything about it yeah. because i signed ndas and all of that course. but all i can say is people are gonna get blown away by this yeah 
yeah. That's all I'm going to say. I think they're going to see a, a completely different Mr. Dev Patel in this. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Such a great actor. I can't wait to see this. It's been picked up by Netflix already, so that's exciting. And yeah. this is, are you, you're acting in it as well as uh, being the uh, fight choreographer, I believe? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, okay. No more detail there. That's absolutely fine. So it's being described as John Wick in Mumbai. So I like the sound of that. Does that sound uh, that sounds accurate? Then does it? I would say so. Like I would yeah. say, I would say it's completely different. And yeah, I would okay. say, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Like uh, people are gonna really really appreciate it, and uh, I can't wait for people to see it and see what we did on that because. It was a lot of hard work, so people yeah. are going to really enjoy it. You're bringing a lot to the table now as a as an action director. Do you have a certain style and approach that you, you know, want to take t- to the action that's distinctly becoming your own? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, what yeah. I'm trying to do basically is I'm trying to find my own style with my own way of doing things. Uh, in the past, you know, I was kind of like. A little bit unlucky to get certain projects that didn't allow me to show what I could do, yeah. which means you know I was limited with uh, the product production. I was limited with the amount of time, and I was also limited by the fact like uh, I can give an example. For example, when I worked on Taken Kazuya Revenge, I got yeah. the job as a fight coordinator on it, but. When I got offered the movie, the movie was called A Man Called X. Uh, it was not called Tekken. So later on in the production, the movie changed to be a Tekken movie. So I started to incorporate all the moves from from the game and trying to be uh, really, uh, you know, following the game and giving the character, you know, that same style he had in the, in the game. So I did that, but then I got told... Um, that it was not a Tekken movie. So I changed everything again. <laughs> and then when the movie comes out, it's finally a Tekken movie. So the fans didn't like the movie. And I was the one who made the fights for it. But people don't really understand that behind the scenes, there's a lot of things going on. There are, there are uh, decisions that are being made without you knowing it. And then, of course, the guy who's making the fights is going to want is going to be the one who's going to get the heat from all of that. Yeah. That's why nowadays I'm very cautious about the projects I'm doing. And I would say that my style, what I'm trying to do, I'm trying basically to incorporate as much as possible real martial art with not so much wire. And I'm trying really like to follow, like give the characters on every movie that I'm doing, I'm trying to give them their own identity through the punches and the kicks. I don't really create fights. I create more like a story. And it's very important. Most of what I see most choreographers do, the very talented ones, is when they do a fight scene, they are really going to give you a story. It's not Mm -hmm. only going to be punches and kicks. It's going to be a story starting from A going to B. When you were speaking there, I was thinking of that extraordinary one-take scene in Extraction that Sam came up with. If you're mixing narrative, drama, acting, and story, um, and action all in one sequence, that that's a pretty good example, isn't it? But mm-hmm. I mean, are they, are they the sorts of 
people that you look to for inspiration, would you say, Brahim? Uh, I don't really look at other action directors' work because I don't want to be doing the exact same thing that they are doing. So yeah. I kind of like have this love-hate relationship with action. What I don't like to do is I don't like to look at other people's work because they might say like I was inspired by them. Yeah. So what I'm trying to do is I try to find my own way and my own style. If it works, it's great. If it doesn't work that great, let's do better for the uh, for the next one. Yeah. But there is one one fight director that really taught me everything that I know and really helped me a lot to find my own way and to even now uh, become a successful action director, a successful fight coordinator. And this man is Tim Mann. Tim Mann is really yeah. a person who really kind of took me under his wing when I first came to Thailand. He took me to work with him on some very low-budget films like I worked with him on Kill Them All. I, yeah. I worked with him on Ninja 2 as his assistant. Um, then he brought me over to be on Boyka to to play uh, one of the characters on the movie. Uh, he brought me again on uh, Abduction, which is another movie. So Tim really is the guy who kind of like taught me how to make previous, how how to edit fights, how to create action, not only setting up a bunch of moves, but kind of like... Uh, editing the fights as you're doing them in your head, creating fights not on paper, but in your brain. And I think if I have to give credit to someone, I I'll give complete credit to Tim because he didn't need to do that, you know, and um, he he's been doing a lot of good things for me. What did he see in you then that made him think, you know, he's got the moves, but you can see he's into this and he could develop into, you know, a great fight choreographer stunt coordinator one day? I think what he saw was probably a kid who was a little bit short in money and uh, <laughs> not having a lot of options and yeah, quite okay. hardworking. So yeah. I think that's what he saw basically. You know, when I came to Tallinn, I, I didn't come with a lot with a lot of money. I had a lot of uh, issues when I first came here because um, I was not that gifted uh, physically. I was pretty slim. Uh, I didn't really speak English that well at the time and. Uh, I didn't know anybody. So Tim was the guy who kind of saw that and he was like, okay, well, uh, I was helping him to do fights. Sometimes I would film for him. And um, I think that's what he saw. He saw maybe somebody, you know, who was, you know, hardworking and uh, who would uh, do what he was going to say. And I mean, maybe he saw that I was a bit hungry, let's say. That's yeah, the correct yeah. word. You must come into contact with a lot of young stunt people entering the industry they've got that same thirst that same hunger do you recognize that in some of the people that you're now working with hmm. i would say to be honest no i don't see that and i'm gonna tell you why yeah because with the rise of social media i would say a lot of the younger generation of people coming out now they are very um they are more into like social media, getting views and getting a lot of followers than actually putting a lot of hard work. Uh, back in the days when I started, or even when Tim started, we only had YouTube. We didn't really have Facebook yeah. or social, we didn't have Instagram, social media. So what we needed to do is we needed to come cast, put in the hard work, get people to notice you. 
And uh, the number of followers you had back then, nobody really cared about it. But nowadays, it's almost like I'm getting this vibe of these newcomers sometimes messaging me sometimes and going like, well, I'm having like uh, 90,000 followers, so you have to get me on your next next job. Or some people also sometimes message me asking me like, can you film a premise for me? And uh, I, I'll just post it online. But the whole concept of like filmmaking, it's to learn. It's not really to show off. You know, learning is the most important. So I would say the fire and uh, the hunger of like the older generation is, it's, I, I would say, you know, it's completely different. And back in the days, we had way more opportunities. You know, we had way more martial art movies being made. We had, yeah. we had way more action movies being made. So now it's almost like, I don't know, things are changing. I'm very happy that I could, you know, start earlier, like back in the days. I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have made it if I started right now. Mm. I don't think I would have made it, no. Interesting, because it's more of a popularity contest, do you you think? Is that that what's what's happened? Yeah, and also, Yeah. yeah, it's more of a popularity contest. And also, like, you get a lot of people coming out quite aggressive, about selling themselves about some they sell themselves something they are not they say like oh yeah i was uh, this guy or i was doing this i was doing that and later on these people they they can kind of like buy themselves into the industry by lying or some Mm -hmm. stuff you know saying like wrong things but then later on you know some people find out and then the whole uh, image of these guys disappear. Yeah, but the pr- that I mean, that's the thing that I hear time and time again is you know the proofs in the pudding. There's a reason why you know guys like yourselves and people get hired as much as you do. It's because you're hardworking and you're nice and clearly talented and good to work with. Like there's no real the people with the really big egos do they they do get found out eventually don't they i mean that just seems to be the way the industry works right I mean, would you agree with that yeah i, I agree completely yes yeah. because if if you got you know nothing to really prove and you're coming as yourself as this is who i am right here i am brahim and i'm coming with this knowledge, I'm giving it to you for your movie, uh, whether it's acting or whether it's like being behind the camera, taking care of the action. That's what you get. But then if you're starting to be like, oh, here I am. I am this guy. I am that guy. I'm trying to do the job of this guy. I'm trying to be a weapon consultant. I was uh, this guy, uh, this expert in this and that expert in that. People find out one day or another, and uh, I think it's very important in the industry to to come honest. Nobody really cares about like what you've done in the past. To be honest, who's gonna care if I was in a committee and I knocked out like fifty five people with their zero losses? Nobody's gonna care about this. We do movies, which is fake. This is just. Yeah. You know, a bunch of punches. Nobody needs to get hurt. Sometimes I hear some people saying, oh, yeah, but my shit is the real thing. Well, good for you. Go in a cage or go in a ring. That's perfect. But mm-hmm. movies are movies. So we, we don't really need to lie about who we are. We're just filmmakers who are good at martial art, let's say. <laughs> 
My lord, for the sake of the Buddha, please spare Shaolin. If you're a martial artist, you want to break into action movies, I mean, what would your advice be? Uh, if a martial artist wants to break into the movie scene to be an actor, uh, I would say he needs to learn how to act. There's a misconception about uh, if I'm very good at martial arts, I'm going to be uh, the best actor there is. Hmm. It might have been okay back in the days in the 80s and 90s, you know, because there was this image of like Jean-Claude Van Damme coming out with just being a, a karate expert yeah. or Jackie Chan being from the opera, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger being a bodybuilder. Uh, but those days are gone. Like mm. that was the 80s, the 90s. Nowadays, if somebody really wants to be like an actor who's going to do action movies, I would say the martial art is secondary what he needs to do is to become a very good actor and then promote himself as an action actor that someone is who is good at martial art. That's yeah. what people forget. Like I'll take an example. Uh, Scott Atkins, for example, is a very good martial artist. But if you look back in his career, he acted in a bunch of soap operas in yeah. England, right? He was very popular in England as an actor already. But then he got the opportunity to become an action star because he could act. Yeah. So now people became so good at creating action that they can literally take anyone, train him for a couple of months, uh, adjust the camera work, hire very good stunt guys to make the lead actor look good. And that's yeah. what's making now the, the stuntman job is almost now becoming of like, uh, I'm going to do only the falls. I'm not going to really do the fighting. So now the actors really want to do the action themselves yeah. because there's so much competition right now. And action is what sells a lot now. Yeah. Uh, everybody's jumping onto that train. There is a demand for action, but the standard is is really quite quite high. I mean, how do you feel as, a, as an action director now as you're getting these really big movies? Do you feel that kind of pressure? Uh, I wouldn't say pressure. I would say the, pre the, the pressure is something that, you know, with I have 14 years experience in the movie business. So the pressure is something I can deal with it very easily. You know, at the end of the day, I'm doing a movie. It's not the end of the world. We're just doing a fun thing. I try to make it as fun as possible. Yeah. Now, the only pressure I might get is when you throw punches, kicks with an actor, somebody, the actor, sometimes taking his own falls, uh, getting his own, taking his own reactions and all that. Sometimes you're, you're having a lot of pressure coming from the producers because they kind of like make you understand, well, this is the lead actor of the movie. So mm. if something happened to him, the production is going to get pushed back or, yeah. you know, you get a lot of pressure in that aspect. But to make the action look good with the actor... You need one. You need an actor who's going to be able to come to the rehearsals, and an actor who's going to be really focused in like 
okay, well, I, I have to show up to do this thing. Otherwise, that's not going to happen. And don't get me wrong, it's very important to to make the actor do his own action and to make him do the fighting and all that. But it's also very important to keep them safe. So at the end of the day, it's like almost like, like I say, it's like a love-hate relationship. Like sometimes you want to be like, oh, I would get this shot so easily if I would put my stun guy to do it. Yeah. But then you have to remember, okay, this this is the lead actor, so he wants to do it himself. So let's facilitate, let's have the right stun guys. Let's have the stun guys train with this actor for a couple of weeks. So like this, everybody gets used to each other because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, trust. Trust is yeah. the number one thing you need. You need the actor to trust whoever he's going to fight with. That's why if you look at John Wick 1, 2, 3, it's H711 we did this. Can you work with these stunt guys from pre-production to rap? Yeah. So everybody knows each other. You know, I know how you're going to punch. I know how you're going to kick. I know how you're going to react. I know your body movement. I know everything. Trust is also vital when you're a stunt performer because, you know, you're putting your life in the in these people's hands. In many- exactly. In many situations, you know, it's 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 dangerous, you know, and it's still, you know, accidents do still happen. Yeah. Have you ever had that situation where you felt, I don't know, a bit uncomfortable? Maybe we're rushing this. I don't think the rehe- we've done enough rehearsal here. There's something doesn't feel right, and you've and you have had you've had to stop and call something like that out. Well, of course, yeah, it happens. I yeah. mean, I had I had like. Uh many situations like this but uh, one that I remember the most is I was on a boat one time uh, doubling a French actor on a move and I was handcuffed uh, to uh, a police door and I remember telling the prop guy give me the key of that uh, handcuff and they are like uh, oh no don't worry if you fall in the water uh, you'll f- the door will float and you can float I'm like no 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 just give me the key so I was like, you, uh, you need to give me the key now. So they were telling me like, oh, no, maybe this guy is scared for nothing, blah, blah, blah. So I got the key finally. And then I was the passenger on the boat. And the person who was doubling uh, the other actress, that was an actress dub, uh, who was getting doubled by another stunt performer, uh, drive that boat like crazy through the river in Bangkok and she lost control of the boat and then plaf, we started to go in the water and there I was like uh, droning uh, with this police door attached to my arm. So luckily, right before the boat goes down, I managed to unlock myself. Then that door, they told me it was going to float. It didn't float. It just went wow. down the river and there I was struggling to swim and Finally, you know, we managed to climb on the boat uh, and um, made it back uh, to land. But accidents do happen in in the yeah. movie, and most of the time, it's 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 not, it's quite ugly. People lost their lives yeah. or different part body parts, you know, with this kind of accident. It's the action movies. That's how I see it. Every time somebody tells me, like back in the days when I was doing stunts, they would tell me, like, "Oh, we have a very easy job." those would be the ones I would be very careful about. Yeah. If somebody told me, 
you got a hard job here. Okay, that's fine. And it doesn't seem to be something that's distinguishable between budgets either. You hear about horrible, you know, accidents happening on big mainstream, big budget movies, as well as you, you'd think maybe they would cut corners on the lower budget stuff, but um, you know, that's that's not always the case, is it? Uh, it no, it's, it's, it's not always to do with that. Yeah. No, it's not. It's mostly about like. Most of the time when something happened that is quite ugly, it's always about somebody is making a call and you get a few people around that person who are not having the guts to tell him this is the wrong yeah. the wrong judgment here. So I've been having trouble in the past that slowed down my career actually because I was many times the one when I was still doing stunts back in the days to tell certain people, I'm not going to do this, or mm. I'm not allowing myself to go through this. And sometimes other stun guys would tell me, don't do that, or you're going to not work anymore. But I yeah. found out that, you know, you have one life. It's not worth to die over a movie shot. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like doing movies, but when I get a job, the whole point is like, do the job and leave to do the other, the next one. I've killed many men with this pole, but still, I don't want to kill you yet. You were great in Vanguard, by the way. That was a Thank that you. was a meaty role for you. I don't think I've seen you. You, I mean, you're the main heavy, basically, in that in that movie. Just talk me through that. That working with Jackie. I mean, that has been a rewarding experience for you, then, Brahim. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the whole Jackie Chan thing. I think. Every stunt guy, every action guy wants that stamp in yeah. his resume. It's yeah. like almost if you don't have that stamp, well, you're not having, you're not really fully, you know, uh, yeah. confirmed to be yeah. like this really, really good action person. Yeah. So to me, you know, it was like, first of all, you know, my whole career started because of Jackie. I watched his movies when I was, you know, 14 years old. He was the guy who made me start martial arts. So yeah. to become involved in his team and uh, work on uh, so many movies now uh, with him with him and his team, you know, it was a dream come true. And it first started in 2014. I worked on Dragon Blade as an action actor on the movie. Yep. Then when I did that, uh, I good movie that, that by the way no that gets overlooked i think i think that's a pretty good yeah, jackie yeah, yeah. chan movie yeah. yeah yeah very good movie and very uh, hard working on that movie because we shot yeah. that in the gobi desert you know when i first did that movie i was like okay well good i've worked with jackie now thank you but yeah. I, well, I was thinking that was it then i went back home like you know like very thankful and great experience and then the next year came and they called me again to go uh, to Russia to work on the uh, Russian movies there. Uh, I went there in Russia with them. And uh, then they called me again to work on Bleeding Steel, which uh, I worked on for seven months. Oh, no, before that, I worked on The Foreigner uh, for... Yeah, that was here. 10 days. Yeah, that was in, in England, the, yes. In the UK, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe for 10 days. And then I went to Bleeding Steel uh, for seven months. Uh, after that, uh, I remember I went to do, uh, you know, keep working. I, I worked on several projects after. 
uh, there was Project X that was getting shot. Uh, they, if I remember, yes, they called me for it, but then uh, it didn't happen. But then Vanguard came along, and for some reason, um, one of the stunt coordinators in Jackie team showed my pictures to uh, Stanley Tong, and uh, then uh, they offered me this part of Broto. And mm -hmm. I think because, um, you know, I, I've acted before in a couple of films. You know, I've acted in, in Boycan Disputed. I have yeah. quite a good role there. So it was in my reel, the one that I showed them. And I think maybe Stanley Tong saw, okay, well, I could deliver some lines. And, you know, I, I was able to do all my action. They wouldn't worry about getting me doubled or, you know, not me not being able to uh, to move well. So... Yeah. They came to me and they gave me the offer for the role. I took it, and uh, and it was uh, nine months of work on that movie. I I, I went to uh, basically uh, Taiwan. I went to uh, Dubai, India, uh, China. They shot also in Tanzania, England as well. Uh, so it it was uh, to me that was the best experience that I had so far with Jackie because it was kind of like well. Here is all your hard work that you've did for us. Here we give you this very nice role because yeah. I saw a lot of people work uh, for Jackie, and they never got really. Uh, first of all, you know, I would I, I will say I, I'm I've, I've never been part of Jackie's team because Jackie's team is basically you know it's kind of like almost like a family. You know, they don't really get the people in uh, based on the skill set. Uh, it's mostly because uh, how people interact with Jackie, how how people are going to be really devoting themselves to the company. So mm -hmm. to me, I always felt like they would call me when they needed me, which I was fine with. And I always went and I did my job for them. So I didn't expect them to give me that kind of role even though I'm not part of their team. So yeah. uh, when I came in and they gave me this role, at first I, I never saw a script. I never really understood how important was the role. And then right. I started to see all these lines of dialogue and you know all these scenes and I'm going to be in this country, that country. Then I realized, okay, that's going to be something important. And then when I saw the final product, uh, when I was dubbing my voice in China, then I understood, okay, this is going to be... A, something great so it was at that point that you realized then was it so you'd already done all the filming and then it wasn't until yeah. you were doing the adr how funny yeah. yeah yeah because you know i have this thing like i never really get my hopes too high uh, for yeah. any project because i know this industry how it is you know scenes get deleted uh roles that were important become very minor roles so i always keep my head cool I don't really talk about it. I don't really uh, mention it too much on social media until the thing is, I know already how it's going to look like. Like when I did Boyka and Disputed, for example, I didn't really mention it. I didn't really talk about it that much until the movie came out. Yeah. Uh, for Vanguard, it was the same. I, later on, I saw the posters with me on it and I saw yeah. how <laughs> they promoted me for the movie. Yeah. And uh, I'm just thankful, man, for, for this opportunity because it really did open a lot of doors for me, that Vanguard yeah. move. Yeah. And working with your childhood 
hero i mean you know he's an absolute legend uh jackie chan was that everything that you dreamed it would be and like your interactions with him working with him and seeing him on set you know what was yeah. what was that like yeah i mean jackie you know he's, he's just like what you see in the movies he's yeah. very uh he's very humble he, he i mean he, you know he he's been doing that all his life so yeah sometime you know i remember the first movie i've done with him i was kind of like a fanboy yeah, I remember when I saw him the first time. I was like, "Oh my God, that's Jackie!" Wow, I was really amazed. And uh, later on, you start to understand he's just a normal person. He's very normal, and uh, so was everything I imagined. You know, like he's a very busy man. Let's say, yeah. Uh, when he comes on set, you know, he, he has, you know, his team set up everything for him. He always come on set. He has all these candy, cakes, ice cream. He gives that to everybody. He took us to five-star hotels and uh, restaurants for dinners. So he's a very, very, uh, uh, I would say, kind-hearted person. Yeah. Because he always look out for his team, always take everyone to dinner, always, you know, try to put his team in, other movies than his movies so they can work when shooting so yeah he he was everything that i was expecting hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. To go from doing stunt work on Dragon Blade and then suddenly you're the main heavy in, in this huge, you know, globe trotting, uh, you know, Jackie Chan movie. I mean, you must have to pinch yourself. That must that must be quite an amazing yeah, you know, thing I mean, to have got to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to to be honest, you know, I was expecting someone like a Scott Atkins or someone yeah. like that to play that role I was doing, yeah. and you know that shows you that you know I always have this thinking in my head that I'm never satisfied with what I'm doing. It's a little bit a good thing and a bad thing because sometimes. You know, I, I tend to think a lot about how to get better, how to to get a better role, uh, a better kick or a better fall. I'm yeah. kind of like a psychopath in this uh, in this in this way because yeah. I'm never happy with what I'm doing. So to kind of like get this opportunity, you know, to go from just being a stunt guy on Dragon Blade and then becoming like. Uh, the main bad guy in that movie. I mean, to me, you know, it's kind of like a great experience, but at the same time, now I'm like, well, how am I going to top, how am I going to top up this? How am I going to do better than that? You know what I mean? So now my whole world and my whole thinking is like, 
well, now I need to do something better than that. I mean, are you still searching for those acting roles, those roles in front of the camera, or are you quite I, happy now absolutely, to work behind? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. No, absolutely. I always look forward to being in front of the camera. That's something that I really enjoy doing. I really want, you know, to push more into that direction because why not? I mean, I can make action for films, that's correct, but why not push into that direction too? Because my body physically is 100% and I'm still at, you know, I'm not that, I'm not old, I'm still, uh, you know, I'm 36 years old. So I do think that in the future there will be more opportunities for me in that road. Oh, oh, oh. See, I just want to kill you like dogs! You came into the industry as a as a tricker. That's that's correct, isn't it? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I was sure. a martial artist. Let's say yeah. not really a trickster because that's that's where people get it wrong. I, I have a black belt in karate. What are you? And I, at the time, I was also a brown belt in uh, aikido. So tricking was kind of like something I did to. To complement my martial art training, so yeah. I came in as a martial artist with good tricking, let's say. Well, amazing tricking! <laughs> I wanted to know because in in France you were teaching tricking. Is that is that right? That that's correct. Yes, yeah. I was teaching in a place called uh, uh, X Swipe, and yeah. uh, basically the owner of that place took us to Thailand for a casting. Yes, for Ung Bak Tu. I just wonder how do you teach? tricking i mean is it something that you constantly are challenging yourself oh maybe i can do one extra flip there or maybe i can extend and do a kick there is that how that sort of works yeah that's basically you know if i always use um skateboard as uh for to compare so you know skateboard the way you know you do all these figures with the skate and all that way it's the same with tricking what you do is basically you know you you have the basic move. I'm going to take an example. Uh, let's say a spin hook kick, okay? So you're going to use the spin hook kick. Then the evolution to that spin hook kick, then jump 360 spin hook kick. Then once you get that down, you're going to do a 720. So you're going to do the same concept and you're going to add one spin. Then you hook kick the 720s. Then you're going to do a 1080 at the time. That's why where it was uh, stopping 1080. Then you do a 1080 and you kick. Now you get kids doing 1440, all yeah. kind of crazy stuff. So crazy. Tr- tricking is like an evolution. It's like you, you. It's kind of like skateboard or ice skating. You know, you take one move and then you kind of like put your own flavor into it. And at the time in France, you know, not many people were doing it or was doing yeah. that. So. We were new to this. Is that when you got to know Tim Mann then quite well? Because I know Tim Mann comes from a sort of tricking yeah. uh, background as well. So there was this website called bilang.com. Yeah. That was a, a website where all the tricksters would send their video, like a sampler, and then the owner of the website uh, would post it, and then you could download it. Mostly it took one day to download just like a two-minute yeah. video back then. Yeah. So... <laughs> I saw team videos there when I was just maybe 16 years old. And I remember emailing Tim, uh, telling him, like, you know, if he's doing movies and 
because he would have like clips from movies in that sampler. So later on, when we came to Thailand, we went to train in this place and there was Timman. So I remember meeting him there and uh, then he reminded me like, oh, remember you used to send me emails. I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, 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 you send me emails. I'm like, okay, well, cool. That's how I met Tim, yes. Through Tim, you get to work with Scott because you were doubling when Scott was injured for Ninja 2, I believe. Correct. You you could do all of those those moves, so you sort of stepped in to, to double for Scott. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. I mean, it was not about Scott cannot do any of these moves. You know, he can do every move that I do, yeah. even better than I do them. The, <laughs> the thing was, uh, I think it was during the fight in the bar, the bar fight. I think he did a spin hook kick and then he pulled a muscle in his back. So the production was either going to stop or either they're going to use someone that kind of look like Scott, same body type, and uh, yeah. we can do these moves. Obviously, I was already working on the movie. I I played Scott during uh, the pre-production. I did the previous. Yeah. And I was assisting Tim uh, with uh, the fights and stunt coordinating. So then I got to double Scott for those uh, spin kicks. To me, that experience was great because, first of all, I got to work with Scott and Isaac, and I got to work with Tim as well. And on that movie, I learned a lot. And the great thing about Scott is when the movie came out, this is uh, where you see that Scott Atkins is a great human being and a very, very honest person because most actors would say, well, I did all that stuff by myself, but Scott was very honest and he gave me great credit and he didn't even need to do that. So I always, you know, uh, have a lot of admiration for him, for what he's done in his career and the way he um, kind of like helped me out a lot because he didn't need to tell anybody that, you know, oh, I hurt my back and I needed this French guy to double me on the movie. And then that opportunity led to Undisputed 4. And that's the same thing, you know, he didn't really need to to accept. Well, why would he accept his stunt double to step in one of the major roles in the movie uh, to go opposite of him? So, like I said, you know, it's uh, he, he was good to me, very, very good to me. But is that unique within the industry to have that kind of attitude? Do you think it is quite collegiate and everyone does sort of you know, they know that everyone's working towards the same end goal, ultimately. I would say yes and no, because many actors I've worked with, they only think about themselves and Mm. that's how they look like or that's how the movie is me. Like, that's basically what the vibe you get. But with Scott Atkins, no. He always look out for people to look the best as they can yeah. be, he always, like, he would never go like, oh, I don't want you to use that move. Or, no, I don't want you to do this kick. Or, no, 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 I don't want this guy to get this close-up. He never did any of that. He always been very much like, okay, this is your moment now. Yeah. So do the best you can, and I'll make sure that I'm not going to put any breaks on you. So if you want to go all out, that's the moment right now. Yeah. So... 
this is why you know I always enjoyed working with Scott Atkins because first of all he's very very talented for fighting he's a very good actor and outside of the camera he's he's normal human being I mean yeah. you can talk with him about anything you can talk to him about UFC about uh, boxing or you know fighting or anything you know he, he's a very very simple person and what was it like then for Boyka for you know Boyka Undisputed stepping up into that role I think that was the first time I really oh no maybe it was Man of Tai Chi I remember you a yeah. Man of Tai Chi but that was the first time you really stepped up into you know a, 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 a big role like that yeah was that quite intimidating you're stepping into a franchise as well and not only that one of the best modern martial arts franchises that um, that there has been, you know, and such an iconic role for Scott as well. Just wondered yeah. that your experiences on that film was it um, hard work? Let's say it this way: it was the best working environment I ever got to work on. Like yeah. Isaac Ferentini is like the best action director, yeah. genius director, producer ever. Um, Scott Atkins was amazing to work with then you have team man making the fights and yeah. i didn't come in with pressure i came in with joy i was so happy to get on that movie that all the pressure was non-existent i mean i did know that i would need to train to gain muscles and yeah. to kind of like keep in good shape because scott atkins in the movie is like pretty big and solid so I was like at the time when they gave me the green light and they told me okay we're gonna cast you in this I was working on the Never Back Down 3 in Thailand with uh, Michael J. White and I remember I was doing the fight scene with Jija on the ring and I was kind of happy about it doing that fight scene but at the same time I was kind of thinking like oh man I wish I could do like more than just do this fight scene. I wish I could, yeah, yeah. you know, do a f more kicks or more of that. So a couple of hours later, my phone ring and Tim tell me like, okay, we get a, they're going to bring you for Boyka. The producer is going to call you. And I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go there and maybe be one of those fighters getting his ass kicked or, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe like, a, like just come in one, two punch and that's it. And then they send me the script and I read it and I see this Igor, 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 Igor. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, so this is like a pretty fucking big role. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I need to better get ready for this. So what I did is there was a gym where we were shooting uh, Never Back Down 3. So I would work out in the morning before we shoot. I would bring my food on the set, eat. Then in the evening, I would go to to basically train again in a gym. And that was it. And I wrapped uh, Never Back Down on the 28th of June and on the 29th of June I was off to Bulgaria to shoot uh, wow. Boy Can Spirit it and when I first came in we shot the f fight scene with Boyka first that was okay. the first thing we shot was Tim very much like well what have you got you know just show us you know what what can you bring to this was that how that choreography worked well uh, the thing is with the, with that kind of movie you know you know there's a list of people who want to work on this movie that goes huge list of people. Every yeah. martial art actor on the planet wants to work on 
that kind of movie franchise. They don't come along very often, do they? Let's be, no, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, this is a, like a one a one time experience yeah. at most sometimes. So when it comes knocking on your door, you make sure that okay, you're gonna be ready one hundred percent. So me, my main concern was I didn't want to let the team down because team is the one who kind of like brought to their attention that look, listen, we have Brahim for yep. this role. Team convinced Isaac and then Isaac convinced Scott. And then after that, I had the green light of the three heavies in the movie, which yeah. is Tim, Isaac, and Scott. So once they said, yes, we bring the Brahim to Bulgaria. So then my main concern was like, okay, these guys are giving me like one of the biggest opportunity of my career. I better let not let them down. So yeah. to me, it's not pressure. To me, it's like, I'm going to do my best. I'm, if, it's, if it means I have to fall my head first on this ring, I'm going to do it. So yeah. I came in with like very, very, very uh, hard work ethic. And the good thing about this is I didn't get this role early in my career. I got it after I've done countless stunt jobs yeah. and plenty small little roles here and there, like on Man of Taishi and all that. Yeah. So to me, it was kind of like, well, here is an opportunity for you to shine. Do your best. They say you're tough. So I think I'll find out just how tough you are. Well, I'll tell you this. You'll regret it because it's the last thing you'll do. We'll see. You've worked with Van Damme uh, a few times now, I think, over over your career. Yeah. I know he's Belgian, but uh, was he someone who was, you know, quite prominent in your life growing up? Was he a bit of an idol, would you say? Um... Uh, to be honest, I didn't see Bloodsport until I started doing movies, f- yeah. like I'm honest. What I liked about Van Damme was kind of like the body he was bringing on screen. You know, this whole yeah. bodybuilding, this nicely shaped action hero. So he motivated me to start working out. I know you worked on Hound of Flesh, but you've worked on this film which is his it's changed titles so many times i think it's called frenchy now i checked on imdb <laughs> but, <laughs> can you tell us it anything went, about about this it, project yeah well it went basically i i that was one of the first movies i've worked on like yeah this was years I, ago wasn't it that was years yeah. ago i was a kid uh I've worked on the movie in 2008, I remember. Yeah. Summer 2008. And I remember we, I think I did like four castings to be on this movie. That was right. 300 people showed up at the casting. Then he ended up keeping me and another guy to be on the movie. So I remember I did uh, this fight scene in a garage with him. Yep. And then I kept on being like, I was playing one of the bodyguards of the bad guy in the movie. My name was uh, Sergey in the movie. So yeah. I remember when we did the movie, then he needed some scenes where he needed to be stunt doubled. So he put me to be stunt doubled as well on the movie. 
then uh, the movie first started being called Full Love. Then it got changed to The Eagle Path. Yeah. And then they went to Bulgaria, I think, and they added some footage to the movie. But for some reason, it never came out. Like, Jean-Claude actually showed me a couple of versions of this movie when I worked with him again on uh, Pond of Flesh. I remember I went to his trailer. I would always go eat with him in his trailer uh, maybe four or five times while we were shooting Pond of Flesh. He would invite me to his trailer and we would eat and speak French together. Yeah. And he showed me a couple of times uh, some of the cuts of the movie. And I asked him, like, Jean-Claude, how come... Uh, you don't release it. And he was saying to me something about like, it's not the right time or he mm. wants a certain distribution for the movie. Maybe he wants like a theatrical release or something along those lines. But I saw a couple of, the movie is complete. He's completely done for years. Yeah. It's just like he's been re-editing the movie. I, I, I think there has been, I don't know, man. I don't know but, how many versions of that movie it has been. The, I think because, uh, yeah, sort of around Pound of Flesh, he had a complete version then. I think yes. he, show, he even showed it at Cannes Film Festival, maybe. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think he showed it at Cannes Film Festival. I think also he showed it to another film festival. Yeah. And I don't know what happened along the way, but... But you've seen the bits that you're in and it's looking good. Yeah, I mean, I saw not only the bits I was in, I saw the bits, you know, I, I saw many scenes from the movie. I remember him showing me that and telling me it's going to come out soon. Yeah. So, I, I mean, Jean-Claude is a great guy, man. I mean, yeah, you know, people don't give credit to Jean-Claude enough. He's such a good guy. Like, you know, he would always call me on the set to go to his trailer, eat with him. He would always like talk French to me. Uh, sometimes he would like kind of like, you know, call the catering and tell them, okay, bring some fruits uh, for the stunt guys. He's a good guy, man. You know, he's like yeah. in France, a lot of people give him a bit of like trouble because I have the same problem myself because I've been living so long away from Europe that, my French kind of became my second language now. So sometimes I would speak French to people and then throw a word in English in it. And then they would think like, well, I'm kind of like trying to be snobbish in a way, right. like why I'm not speaking French. And sometimes he, he got a bit of hate in the past because he would go into some TV shows, speak French and use English words in between in the sentences. So I have the same problem as him and, you know, it's Jean-Claude is a good guy, man. Really, yeah. really good guy. You know, I, I would like to work with him again. You know, he's a he's a very interesting character. And we should say, obviously, this movie is the second film that he's directed as well. So there is a lot of anticipation out there. And I guess because, you know, it's there's so many different versions and no one's yet been able to see it. It seems like there's a new version of it that's coming out at some point. I, I have no idea. No idea. I just... Yeah. I just want this movie to come out so I can see my, you know, normally you watch a movie, you make, you do a movie and then six months later, it's coming out, right? So you didn't really age that well when you see the movie, right? You yeah. kind of almost look the same. But here 
I'm getting a kick out of this because the movie is going to release. And when I look at it, I'm going to see myself as like, you know, a 24 year old yeah. guy, you know, <laughs> 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's almost going to be like one of those interstellar movies. Like I've been on a mission somewhere in space and I'm coming back. Everybody <laughs> aged. And I did it. <laughs> is that one I bastard here? Who the hell are you? You dare call our boss that? Another great movie that you were in was Big Brother, the, the Donnie Yen film from uh, a, yeah. a couple of years ago. What a great fight scene you're in there where he's on the lockers and he's kicking all the lockers over. The choreography is fantastic. What was that experience like working with uh, with Donnie, another legend? It was great. I mean, yeah. you know, I remember I got on the movie. Uh, my friend Mike Leader was... Yeah. Uh, he's in it, isn't he? To, he's he's, the, he's in it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's in it, yeah. My friend Mike Leader got me on the movie, and then I got there in Hong Kong, and uh, I shot the fight scene with Donny. I was there maybe for ten days in Hong Kong doing that movie, yeah. And working with Donny, you know, like again, it's like one of these stamps for action guys, you know, like yeah, yeah that's it. You've worked with Donny, so to me, it was a great experience. Donnie was very nice in between texts. He would, you know, sit down with us and talk to us about about his career, about how he, what it takes to be a, an action actor or a martial arts star like he is. Um, he was very precise, very uh, dedicated. He knows how where to place the camera. Uh, Kenji Tanigaki, to all his credit, you know, his stunt team is amazing. You know, he has a his Japanese stunt team taking care of everything. So, again, yeah, it was a great experience. Sometimes, you know, I, I tell myself, you know, when I look back at my career, I always tell myself, you know, I don't know who to thank, you know, for all the good things that happened in my career because, you know, I've been lucky enough to do so much in a small amount of time. So yeah. I almost feel like, like, well, this is a great gift, but it has to cost something. And later on in my, in later on, you know, I realized it costed. Yes, because I really put my heart into this whole career. My whole uh, life has been evolving around my career, which is, you know, I didn't really spend a lot of time with my family. Mm. Uh, I didn't really have a lot of uh, social life, like going out, partying, or like what other people do, you know, after work and all that. People always say, well, you're lucky. Well, no, I'm not lucky. I really put in a lot of hard work. And yeah. I think that's what people real have to realize. There is no shortcuts. It's a lot of hard work and a lot of devotion and passion. Did you have a, a goal when you started this? <laughs> or have you very much just been someone who's been like, well, whatever opportunity comes along, I'll just see how that goes? Or do you, do you have a, a sort of grand plan? My plan was basically what I was, uh, what I was telling myself was I, I want to be in the movie as a stunt performer, I didn't see the big picture back then. Yeah. I was just thinking, okay, if I can make a few bucks getting kicked or maybe punched or falling down a stair, yeah, I'll take that. I yeah. didn't really have a lot of like 
let's say, like hopes. Mm-hmm. But then later on, you know, I started to look at people like Scott Atkins and <clears throat> I look at the career of someone like Donnie Yen or Jackie Chan, Van Damme even. And I realized all these people, they all started somewhere. They all started, you know, yeah, small and then they started to go bigger and bigger. So I started to visualize myself like, okay, well, what do I need to do to get to higher in life, to get to that kind of like certain level where I'm going to be able, you know, to get to roles like Vanguard or Boy Can Disputed. Yeah. And I said to my, I said to myself, okay, well, I need to train myself first of all, and I need to build my body and I need also, you know, to uh, learn how to act and all that stuff. So from there, you know, I put myself 100% into it with no breaks at all. Just like, don't look at anything else, just, keep going yeah don't care about the achievement just climb the mountain the mountain don't look back just go straight forward do you find yourself in a situation where there is plenty of opportunity out there there is yes there is like you know when people start to talk about like oh there's so much competition actually there is not the thing is there's so much work out there even during covid you know i've been able to work during covid and yeah. if i have if i wanted I, I would be in turkey right now doing another project but i didn't take it but the thing is there's opportunity for people who are implanted already in the industry mm. so the advice i give to people is always you know in when there's a lot of work like this if you're starting up try to do as many jobs as possible like a lot of quantity but as you evolved in your career and as you start to get a bit of a name start to choose your projects and you know think about it wisely and what can bring you you know uh, a good experience rather yeah. than i'm going to do 20,000 projects but they're all going to be shot on an iphone you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah so what sparks the interest now is it just that you know, there's people that you trust you've worked with before, or are you looking for new opportunities working with different people? Or, you know, what's attracting you to, to projects then? Uh, to be honest, what's attracting me nowadays is like, for example, when I get a project like Monkey Man uh, with yep. Dev Patel, uh, I know that Dev Patel is a very, very good actor. Yeah. And I do know it's his directorial debut. So, Something like this attracts me. Then if I get something like Vanguard, it attracts me as well. But uh, let's say, you know, if someone called me to just be a stunt guy or to be a bad guy number 55, something like that, you know, first of all, I I don't want to do, I, I don't want to do stunt work anymore because I do think, you know, that's not something that I enjoy doing anymore. Mm-hmm. Second, uh in terms of like money and in terms of uh life i came to a point where financially i'm doing very well and i nowadays i just want to do work that makes me evolve in my career and also makes me happy that when i go to work i feel happy so i did some jobs back in the days uh working let's say in the middle of 
Rajasthan in India, doubling an actor with 50 degrees Celsius outside, wearing a wig, a fake beard, uh, a full harness for hours. And then I will do this maybe like for a, two months straight, working every day, getting pulled on the wire and uh, all the jobs like similar to that. So I came to a point in my life where I'm like, okay, I rather do projects that are making me happy and also are going to make me better at my job and also uh, going to allow me to display what I can do. If it's a job that is in front of the camera, uh, I want something that is going to allow me like to show myself as an actor, as a martial artist. If it's something, a job that are behind the camera, like a fight coordinator, I, I want a movie that is going to allow me you know, to work with a good cast, good director, um, allow me to bring my stunt team with me. So like this, you know, I know that the final result is going to be good. Well, I can't wait for that movie. <laughs> I'm very excited. Me too. Um, me too. Brahim, listen, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for, for talking to me today. Yeah, so, can I uh, do just uh, one last thing before course, I of go? Of course you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I just want, you know, to give uh, a little shout out <clears throat> to a few people. I just want to give a shout out, you know, to uh, my friend Tim uh, for everything he's done for me. I want to give a shout out to my good friend, also Mike Leader. Uh, he's been amazing for my career. He's actually the one who suggested me for Monkey Man. Oh, he wow, brought me great. over on Man of Taishi. He brought me over on the Big Brother abduction. Yeah. He's, he's been like a fantastic uh, person in my career. I want to say thank you to Scott Atkins as well, you know, for, you know, allowing me to get my ass kicked by him in Boyka <laughs> yeah. and doubling him also on Ninja. Uh, I want to say thank you to Isaac Florentine, you know. Uh, thank, thanks to him, you know. He's been casting me, you know, in uh, Boyka. Yeah. I want to say thank you as well for Jackie Chanston team, you know, uh, for trusting me, bringing me on all those projects, you know, and um, to whoever, you know, likes my work out there, you know, thank you so much. It means a lot to me. I, I hope I can bring more to the table in front and behind of the camera. And uh, thank you guys for, you know, supporting me. No worries at all. Well, I'm a big fan, Raheem. So yeah, do keep in touch and uh, look forward to whatever projects you're working on next. Thank you so much. Okay, you take care. Have a good evening. You too. Have a good day. Bye. Brahim Chab there. Very cool to chat to Brahim. Very much enjoyed that. He's got so many great martial arts movies to his name. And, you know, he's worked all over the world as well. There's too many great movies in that filmography to mention we eagerly anticipate the release of monkey man of course that is coming to netflix at some point probably within the next year or so and we cannot wait to see what brahim does next so you can follow brahim chab on instagram his name on that platform is at brahim chab 84 and yeah go and watch him in vanguard go and watch big brother Undisputed for The Driver. We didn't mention The Driver. The Driver is a Marc Dacascos zombie film. Brahim's the stunt coordinator in that movie. I think he had a small part in it as well. Go and watch Abduction as well. That's another Scott Adkins movie that Brahim worked on. Never Back Down, No Surrender as well. He's in that. I think we mentioned that. Anyway, lots of Brahim Chab movies. Thank you so much to Brahim for taking the time to talk to me. 
for today's episode and a huge thank you to you, the loyal Foo follower who has listened to this episode all the way to the very end. Thank you so much for doing that. Your reward will be another new episode of the podcast in two weeks' time. In the meantime, of course, I wish you well. Do stay safe. Do take care. And I will be back very soon with another great guest from the world of martial arts movies, only on the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Until then, do take care and bye for now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.